mascot is, is like a spiritual father for you. Remember that, babe? And you were, you were saying, and at that point in time, I knew who Pastor Scott was. He maybe knew who I was, but it wasn't really the type of relationship that we have now. And God just through that series of events connected our heart to where now he's just being a spiritual father in my life, but then I'm being challenged to then be a spiritual father in other people's lives. And we're seeing God do amazing things. This year we'll plant 32 churches together through the Fathering Initiative, which is awesome, awesome, awesome. One of the things I love about relationships is this, is that when you have a relationship with somebody, they can call you out. Anyone ever been called out before on something? Come on, raise your hand real quick. You've been called out. Yeah, yeah. It seems like culture right now is calling out a lot of things. I don't know if you've heard, but there's this thing called cancel culture right now. And basically what it is, is someone will call out something. They'll say, hey, this, this was wrong. And then they'll say, basically, listen, what you did was wrong, and so you need to pay for that. So people are losing jobs. Uh, complete organizations are reshuffling and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that what that person did was right, but what I am saying, though, is it's crazy how in our culture right now, things are just being called out everywhere. I'm going to call that out. I'm going to call that out. I'm going to call that out. And there's just this call out that's happening around us. Today, I want to kind of jump right into this idea of what it means for you and I to actually be the church. I want you to look at your neighbor, though, before we get into that. And I want you to say this. I want you to say, you have a purpose. Now, I want you to actually believe it when you say it and say, you have a purpose. Come on. Each and every one of us have a purpose. And in the midst of the season right now that we find ourselves in, it's been challenging. There's been challenges um, from the economy to um, things that are happening around us with COVID to social distancing, not social distancing. There's just challenges everywhere. But today I want to hopefully bring to you a message that I believe you should walk away going, you know what, I'm ready to be the church. So I want you to look at your neighbor now and say this, I'm ready. Okay, now I need you to really believe it. Come on. I'm ready. Say it again. Say, I'm ready. What I've been praying for you this week is that truly you would be ready. Here's what I know is some of us today maybe entered into this place and we've got some walls up. Some of those walls is because maybe there's hurt that happened. Maybe there's something that happened in your life that brought you to this place right now. And you're back here. You're here in this environment. And you're sitting here. Maybe for some of you, it's the first time that you've ever stepped foot into a church. And you're here today and you've heard and you've experienced different things. And you're kind of wondering, you're, you're kind of looking at it and going, I don't even know what to even expect. And then we come to this moment and we have this moment of communion. And then all of a sudden the pastor is talking about how this cup represents the blood of Christ that's been shed for me. That sounds kind of weird. All these different pieces, right? And you're, you're trying to process through all of that right now. And you find yourself in this moment where you're maybe just saying, you know what, I, I just, I'm here because something was drawing me here. But there's an obstacle. And my prayer has been that for a moment, just the next, let's say, 35, 40 minutes, 
that you would be willing to just let that wall come down. Maybe, maybe just for a few moments today, you would just be willing to crack the door open and to let God begin to speak to you. My prayer every week is, is God, not my words, but your words. Just, just let me simply be a vessel where you, you can flow in and you can flow out. I don't want to be a swamp where I just take stuff in and don't flow back out. No, I, God, just, just let me be a conduit of your presence. I was talking with a good friend of mine, Brian Penny, this week, and we were talking about the idea that each and every one of us have relationships. All of us have relationships to some degree in our lives, and the stronger that relationship is, the more that person can speak into our lives. We were talking about that, and I was sharing with him, you know, how Kasha and I have a relationship. Kasha's my wife. She's right down here where she can speak into my life. She can call things out of me. Why? Because we have relationship. I can do the same thing with her. Now, when someone comes to me, though, that doesn't have relationship with me and they try calling something out, I'm more in that moment to be like, what? Wait a minute. In fact, Brian was telling me, he said, Pastor Brian, like, you have complete authority to be able to speak into my life and call anything out. But he says, if someone comes to me and I don't have any relationship and they're trying to call something out, he, he basically was like, I'm going to look at them and be like, uh-uh, not today. You cannot speak. Nope, 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 not today. And yet I believe that what the body of Christ is made up of is people who actually are supposed to call things out of one another. Now, before you close up, don't close up to that real quick. We're gonna, I'm going to unpack it and show you why I believe the Scriptures actually tell us that. I think you and I, each and every one of us, should have people in our lives who should be able to call out things in us. Pastor Scott Wilson is a man who I have allowed my life to be open to, to where he can speak into my life about anything. And you know what? In 2020, there was many times where I called him on the phone and I said, Pastor Scott, like, I need some advice. I need some direction. I need, I need some correction. I need you to speak into my life right now. And there's been times where it was correction. There was times where he said, Brian, that was dumb. There was times where he said, Brian, that was really good. I need that type of relationship in my life. I have a health coach in my life who's constantly saying, Brian, we can do this. We can get healthy. You can do these things. I have to, come, I have to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs in my mind. I don't know about you, but for me, I've always seen my health as like this yo-yo experience. I'm doing really great, and then I'm not doing really good. And then I'm really great, and then I'm not good. I'm done with that. I actually said, you know what? I need a health coach. I need someone who can help me in that, in that arena. And so Ricky Van Pay is my health coach. And every week we meet together, and he asks me hard questions. And he says, why didn't you do what you committed to doing? And I say, I'm just a and he says, you're not a loser. And then he, like he speaks, I don't say I'm a loser, but you know what I mean? Like he's, he's there to sharpen me in that moment. Kasha and I, from individual counselors to couples counselors, do you know why we go to counseling? Not because our marriage is, is bad. It's because our marriage is good and we want our marriage to get gooder. Can you say it? Can you say it that way? Gooder? Better? Better is the better way to say it? Okay, all right. We want our marriage to get better. Why? Because I'm not waiting for it to be broken and then I'll go to counseling. Healthy people go to counseling so that they can stay healthy. So here we are, Kasha and I, we'd make those drives. We do that. We make the investment into it. 
We give of our time for that. Why? I have a board who is constantly speaking into my life. Listen, if you think the board of Bethany Assembly is a bunch of yes men, you need to come to our board meeting. Because we do not sit around the table and they all say, well, Pastor Brian, what do you think needs to happen? There are times where they're up in my grill and I'm up in their grill. And then in the end, we ask not what does Pastor Brian want and not what does so-and-so who's on the board want. We say, what does God want? Because, you know, even I have ideas in those moments and then even board members. So, like, I come in, I have an idea, and then they come in and they have ideas, and sometimes those ideas come together. But you know what? Even if those ideas come together, we don't care about our ideas. We care about his idea. And it's important for us to understand that God puts people in our lives who can speak to us and can call out things in us that need to be called out. One of the wisest men to ever live is King Solomon. He wrote much of Proverbs. And um, in Proverbs um, 27, he writes this, verse 17. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. The message translation says it this way. You use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. Now, I know for like a lot of us guys, are like, yes, iron sharpens iron. It's like this, yeah, oh, that type of thing. And some girls are like, yeah, it's iron sharpens iron. I don't know. Here's what I do know. This isn't just a statement that we wear on a t-shirt, we put on a fridge. This isn't, this is something that I believe we, the church, have been called to do. We, the church, the body of Christ, is called to sharpen one another. But you know what happens is, is many times in the sharpening, we don't like the sharpening. No one likes things being chiseled away in their life. No one likes it when someone calls something out on us. And so what we live right now is in a culture that's easily offended. Whether that's in the church, whether that's outside the church, people are easily offended. I can't believe they did this or I can't believe that happened. And what has happened is, is we've allowed offense to become the glasses to how we view life around us. And instead of us being teachable and willing to relearn from those who are around us and let iron sharpens iron, we, we reject it and we go and we look for a place where they're not going to sharpen us too much. I've seen this growing up in the church where people will go into a church, they'll be a part of this, this is the greatest church ever, I love this church. And then they're there for a while and then all of a sudden they get into relationship with somebody and all of a sudden there's some correcting, there's some reproof, there's some sharpening that starts to happen. And if offense has not been dealt with, offense will be carried in and then what happens, people are like, I can't believe they said that about me. And so then they're like, I'm leaving this church. This is, that's just horrible. They go to another church. Like, this is the greatest place ever. And then a few months go by, and something happens, and there's some sharpening that happens, and they go, this isn't the place, and they go to the next church. You know the story. It just keeps going on and on and on. Why? Because sharpening is painful. I've, I've never been like, when Kasha calls something out, because we have a relationship to where she can speak into my life and say, Brian, that was dumb. I don't ever go, you know what? You're right. I, I'm so stupid. I don't do that. Normally, my response is, how dare you call me dumb? I'm your husband. We are two who have become one. You're saying you're dumb. 
That's, right? And I could easily allow a moment of correction, a moment of sharpening to become something. Now I'm offended. I'm offended that she would say that. Or I can take the approach of like, no, no, she's right. There's areas inside of me. There's things inside of me. There's things inside of all of us. There's things inside of all of our relationships that need to grow. To think that any one of us is perfect would would be denying what the body of Christ is all about. We are iron sharpening iron. Steel sharpening steel. And guess what? It is not joyful and just, wow, I love that. It's actually painful. There was this video years ago that I, that I saw, and it was this guy, and, and it was kind of like an illustrated moment, and he was standing there, and he was acting like he was kind of like a rock, and then God came along with a chisel, which was another guy, and he's chiseling away at things in his life, and, and he's sitting there, and he's like, okay, yeah, chisel away, and then, and then all of a sudden he's like, ooh, that hurts, stop, because the chiseling, because those moments bring about pain. He's like, no, stop. And then God's like, well, do you want this, you know, happening in your life? He's like, well, I do. Yeah, I want the better marriage. He goes, okay. So here he just begins chiseling away. It's like, ow, stop. Because many times what happens is, is we fail to remember that the iron sharpening iron means there has to be friction. And in the midst of the friction that's happening, we normally try to run away from the pain rather into the pain. This simple proverb illustrates the importance of this idea of iron sharpening iron. And I want you today to realize that the body of Christ is meant to sharpen one another. If you come and it's just all love, peace, and chicken grease, and you're just like, and that's what it is, it's more than that. The body of Christ is actually there to be in community with one another. Hebrews 10 actually says it this way in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful in the midst of the seasons that we're in. And a lot of us read that and go, yes, God's faithful. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so caring. But now it goes on. It says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. How do we sharpen one another? How do we chisel in at one another? Now, I know some of you are like, oh, see, Pastor Brian, that's the problem. It's not the church's responsibility to chisel away at the things in my life. It's actually God's responsibility. Who do you think God uses? God uses people around us all the time to chisel away things in our lives. Sometimes he uses the mirror we look in every day to chisel away things in our lives when he begins to reveal stuff through his Holy Spirit. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's interesting Because even here in the New Testament, in Hebrews, we see Paul writing this and saying, listen, even as God's coming back, and I don't know about you, but as I look at what's happening around our culture, and I read in Revelation, I see a lot of similarities. Men will be lovers of themselves, given into their, like, I mean, you look at throughout what the scriptures talks about, and you can see our culture around us. It's, it's, we're not heading, like, in the right direction, but maybe it is actually the right direction. Because Jesus says he's coming back for a church that is without blemish. He's looking for people who are willing to be sharpened. And that's hard. 
I'm not saying that I even have it all together because I understand sometimes that some things get sharpened in me and I don't like it all that much. But remember, it comes back to relationship. Because I have a relationship with Kasha, because I have a relationship with Pastor Scott Wilson, they can speak into my life in certain ways because we're doing life together. We're in community together. It's interesting because in Proverbs there at 27 verse 17 where it says iron sharpens iron, a few verses prior to that, King Solomon wrote this. He said that the wounds of a friend, he says the wounds of a friend are intended to help, but an enemy's kisses are too much to bear. What, what do we normally want? We normally want the kisses. Kasha was away for a week in Missouri visiting her family. When she got home, she didn't kiss me right away. I was kind of bummed. <laughs> we finally went for a walk. She finally, finally put those lips on my lips. I was like, yes, the world is right. I didn't want her to wound me. I wanted her to kiss me. But what the scriptures actually say is that the wounds made by a friend are actually intended to help. But the enemy's kisses are too much to bear. Another translation, the voice translation, which you're like, what? What's the voice translation? Just bear with me for a second. Wounds inflicted by correction of a friend prove he is faithful. The abundant kisses of an enemy shows his lies. Ryan Penny and I were talking about this, and I've talked about this with other people in my life before, and they said, you know what? If you really love me, you would actually bring about correction. But we don't like that because correction hurts because it's iron sharpens iron moments. God uses the wounds of a friend to what? To sharpen us, to motivate us, to provide some accountability for us in our lives. For me, I look at my life and I go, okay, I need some accountability here. I need accountability here. I need accountability here. And so what I've done is asked for people to be mentors in my life, to be able to speak into the hard areas and when they see things, and that's why I'm telling you, like, even as a board, we have a great board here that sits down sometimes and, like, Pastor Brian, like, this moment right here, I don't know. And what we do is we work in agreement together till we get to the place where we say, this is what we feel God is saying. And when we feel like God is saying that together, then we move forward. But here's what I know is that sometimes those wounds, though, that are created, if not dealt with properly, can fester and get infected. And God is saying to us that, listen, we are to be iron sharpening iron. We are to be in relationship with one another. Hebrews 4.12 speaks of how important God's word is in our lives. It says the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I can't tell you how many times, like, in my mind, I've thought something, and all of a sudden I spend time in God's word, and God starts dealing with the way I'm thinking. He's like, Brian, that's stinking thinking right there. And I'm like, well, this person hurt me, or this happened in my life. And he's like, Brian, you've been forgiven of much. Forgive others of much. Because what the enemy wants me to do is the enemy doesn't want me to actually be sharpened in my life. The enemy wants me to walk around offended in my life. Because if, I, if I'm offended, then I won't forgive. And if I won't forgive, then what the scriptures actually says is if you won't forgive someone who's wronged you, how can you yourself be forgiven? 
2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now we love the first two right there. Or I mean the first one and the last one. But we don't like what's sandwiched in between them. We love teaching and we love training. We're like, yes, please teach me more and train me more. But what we don't like is we're not real big fans of reproof or correction. We're like, I'll, I'll take a number one and a number four, skip number two and three. But all scripture is inspired by God. And all scripture is profitable for these things. God doesn't just say to us like, hey, listen, like I'm, an, I'm just going to teach you so you can learn all these things. He, he's like, you are like a river. I want to flow in you and out of you. I want you to be taught. I want you to be reproofed. I want you to be corrected. I want you to be trained so that what? So that you can be equipped for every good work. Right now, our culture is looking to the church to be the church. And listen, the church is not a building. It's not a service. I know some of you are like, I, I'm, I went to church today. You're sitting in here and you're like, I went to church today. No, you are the church. And we'll talk about that here in a second. And, and I'm even going to add to it a little bit. I'm not going to add to it. The Bible is going to clarify something for us today uh, about what it actually means to be the church. See, when Jesus established the church, he didn't think, well, it's going to be a place, it's going to be a building. When Sister Annabelle came 76 years ago to Adrian, Michigan, she knew that God wanted to call people out to be a part of a church. It just so happened to be Bethany Assembly, and it started over on Airport Road, and it's been in different spots, and now it's right here. The building itself is right here on 223, right across from Coles. But the building is not the church. We're the church. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Um, in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to read about a guy by the name of Peter, which is, if you've grown up in the church for any length of time, you've heard about Peter. Peter's the guy who walks on water. In chapter 14 of Matthew, he walks on water. And then in later, in verse, uh, or chapter 26, we see Peter actually denying Christ three times. When a simple girl comes to him and says to him, hey, weren't you with Jesus? He's like, I don't even know the guy. So we see how Peter has these high and these lows. Walks on water, cool moment. Denies Christ, not so cool moment. And in between those two moments is sandwiched this moment here that we read about in chapter 16. What I want you to understand is that when this moment occurs, Jesus is asking his disciples a question. And any time that Jesus asks a question, we, we really need to be paying attention because it means that there's a lesson that he wants people to learn. Throughout the scriptures, you see Jesus asking a lot of questions. Was it because Jesus didn't know the answer? No. It's because Jesus was trying to activate the mind and the heart of the reader and the person who was listening. He's like, listen, we need, I need you to understand. I need you to un internalize what is happening in this moment. So the Pharisees are around, the Sadducees, which would have been the religious leaders of the time. They, they aren't the biggest fans of Jesus. 
And, and he's telling, Jesus in this chapter actually is telling his disciples to be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And what that means is basically he's the, the, the pollution, the, the thing that changes kind of the recipe. He's saying, listen, you need to avoid that because it'll change everything. And so in verse 13 of chapter 16, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? The disciples start answering. They say, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say this prophet. And then, then he begins to take the question and he actually personalizes it a little more for him. He says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And I think just like Jesus was asking his disciples this question, I think he's looking to you and me today, and he's saying, who do you say I am? I mean, I, I, know, I know what other people are around, but who do you say that I am? And I love Peter, because Peter comes right into the scene, and he says, well, you are, the living, you are the living Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is like, you've answered correct. But then look at what Peter then says to him. And I want you to watch my hands as I say this. He looks at him and he says, he says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Let me say it again. Listen, he says, you are Peter. This is Jesus, okay? You are Peter. And I think Jesus then says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. He's not saying, Peter, you're the church. He's saying, listen, I'm going to use you, Peter. You're Peter. You're called. You're a son. Like, you're, you're a part of the family. You are Peter. But on this rock, me, Jesus, I will build my church. The same guy who walks on water and then later denies Christ. In fact, if you were to read just a little bit further, what you would see is there's a moment where Jesus starts talking about, he says, listen, basically there's going to come a day where I'm going to be betrayed. You know, there's going to like, my blood will be shed. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. This whole moment. And then Peter comes on. He's like, not on my watch. It's not going to happen here. And what does Jesus look? He looks at Peter and he's like, Satan, get behind me. I don't know about you, but when Jesus calls you Satan, that's not good. Now, was Jesus calling Peter Satan? No, I think he was addressing the spirit that was there. He was saying, Peter, I know you're being used by Satan. And, and so many times I have to remind myself, the enemy is the enemy, and that's many times there's a spirit that's at work. It's not people. The enemy wants to come against God's work. The enemy wants to destroy your marriage. The enemy wants to destroy your life. The enemy wants to destroy your health. He's constantly coming at you and I. And what Jesus is saying here in this moment to Peter is he's saying, listen, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. But when he uses the word church, it is not a building. It's not a synagogue. It's not a temple. He's not talking about a physical location. He's not talking about a worship service. He actually uses the Greek word, which is ecclesia. And the Greek word ecclesia really comes from this moment. It's, it's, um, there's a prefix and there's a root. The prefix of it is this idea of being called out. So the X is out of and then the root word is the form of the verb kaleo, which actually means to call. So 
Ecclesia means the called out ones. The called out ones. See, it's never been about a church. It's been about the called out ones. And my question today is this, is are you called out? Have you heard the voice of God call you out? Because, listen, it's not about hiding when you're actually called to march forward. It's not about running away from culture and saying, I just got to put myself in a bubble and put my kids in a bubble and all of this and, and that's not. No, no, we are actually been called out. We are to influence culture, not culture influence us. But I wonder if for some of us, we've actually gotten confused with what the church is all about. Now, we create an environment every week for people to engage in God's presence. We clean it. We take good care of it. We paint walls. We remodel things. Why? Because we want to create an environment for people to experience God's presence. But we do not believe that the building does anything other than it's a simple instrument to help people engage in God's presence. The church is actually the called out ones. So think back to me with a moment. If you're familiar with Peter's story, when Peter actually was called out by God. So here in Matthew 16, Jesus says to him, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. But there was a day when Peter was simply going about normal everyday life. He's fishing with his brother Andrew, and all of a sudden Jesus comes walking by, and he calls out to Peter and Andrew, and he says, come follow me. And those simple words changed everything because in that moment, Peter said, okay, I'm following you. He was called out. See, if you want to make a difference in the world around you, you and I have to recognize we've been called out. God's calling us out. We're like salt. I mean, when you add salt to something, what happens? It changes the flavor. When you bring light into a dark room, what happens? The room lights up. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, You shall be holy for why? Because I am holy. God has called you and set you apart. He's called you out. He's called us as a church to embrace the fellowship of one another. But remember, the iron sharpens iron moments are painful. The reason why we want people to be connected in community is not just so we can gather around and be like, oh, let's just sing kumbaya and think everything's great. We actually need relationship with people to where we can actually do life together and they can call things out and we can call things out and through relationship that happens. The problem is, is when we don't have relationship and we start calling things out, it's really difficult. Because now when someone comes and says, you know, I see this in you, you're like, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. And we put this wall up between us and that person because we say, we don't have relationship to where you can speak into my life like that. But if we recognize that we, the church, are the called out ones, what would happen is, is we realize we've been set apart and it's being set apart that actually allows us to be in relationship with one another to where then iron can sharpen iron. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. See, God has called us to be in community with one another. Matthew 5.14 talks about that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It says you are the light of the world. There's a scenario here when, when I think about it, and, and I skipped it earlier, and I, 
go back to that. I know up on the slide you're going to. But I, I want to give you an equation. God plus you. Think about the church. It's, it's you plus God. God has called you. He's equipped you. It's you plus God. And then I want to I add to that equation. Now, I want you to think about it. It's, it's God plus you, which equals the church. You are the called out ones. I'm a part of the called out ones. We are the bride of Christ is what the scriptures talks about. You and I have been called out. When you look throughout scriptures, you see so many people who were called out. Noah was called out. God said, hey, Noah, I need you to build this ark. He does it. Abraham called out. Joseph called out. We see Joseph call. We just got done soaping in there. It's been so good to read Joseph's story because you see this guy who was called out. He was put in a place of prominence and then something wrong happened. Called into a place of prominence again. Something wrong happened. All these different moments. He could have easily been offended. He easily could have said, my brother's wronged me. This person wronged me. Oh, my friend's wronged me. My workplace wronged me. He could have lived an offended life, but Joseph said, I am unoffendable. I will live according to how God has called me to live, and I'm not going to let the world around me dictate. I'm going to allow the sharpening to happen inside of my life. He was called out. Moses, think about it, called out to serve God. Rahab, called out. We see David being called out, Esther being called out, Daniel being called out, Mary, the disciples. I mean, the list could go on and on of people throughout the scriptures who were called out by God. You've been called out. Hey, I want you to do this with me. Just look at your neighbor and just say, I'm calling you out. You've been called out. You're being called out by those who are around you. Back to Matthew 16 for a second. Remember he says, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter. And then he says, on this rock I will build my church. And then, and then it continues to say this. It says, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. See, the, if we add to the equation, and really that's what the scriptures does, it's God plus us which equals an unstoppable church. Come on, God plus us equals unstoppable church. Why? It says it right there. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. If it was about perfection and us always getting it right, guess what? We would be in a whole lot of trouble, especially Peter, because he certainly is going to actually, you know, Satan get behind me. That moment's going to happen. He's going to deny Christ three times. There's going to be moments of failure that happen in Peter's life. And God still says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It is you plus God, which equals an unstoppable church. Bethany, you've been called out. You've been called out to make a difference in the world around you. God is not looking for us to pull back in the midst of the season. I believe he's asking for us to move forward, to press ahead. This is not a time to run and hide and bury our heads in the sand and say, oh man, the world around us is getting really bad. Yes, the world around us is getting really bad. That's why they need you. You've been called out to be the church. The scriptures go on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me give you this. God plus us equals his unstoppable church. Whose church is it? 
It's his. It's not mine. Pastor friend of mine, Pastor um, Kevin Barry in Mount Hope Church in Lansing. It's, he's the pastor there, but it's not his church. It's God's church. One mosaic here in town, Pastor Dan Chris. It's not his church. It's God's church. God, God, it's God's church. Bethany Assembly is not, it's not Pastor Brian's. It's his. God plus me equals his unstoppable church. Listen, it's, it's, and I know I keep saying this, but it is not time to back down. You've been called out. Today, God's calling you out. It's not time for you to run and hide. No, you've been called out. It's not time to hoard our resources and say, I gotta take care of me, I gotta take care of my best. No, 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 it's time to actually live generously. It's time to invest. It's time for us to run the race that God has set before us. It's time to be generous with our resources. It's time to take back and to, and to say, you know what? What the enemy has tried to steal, no, God is restoring. It's time to take God's promises to the bank and realize that they cash every time. God's faithful in the midst of these seasons. But what the enemy wants us to do is the enemy wants us to pull back from sharpening and he wants us to believe that it's all about love and it's all about just, just feel good and however you want to be and whoever you want to be. It doesn't matter. But listen, sharpening is tough. Correction and reproof is tough. Being who God has called us to be is going to require some chiseling away in our lives. And my question is, is when was the last time that you allowed some sharpening to happen? Man, I could, I could go through moments just even here as of recent where God's like, Brian, we've got to sharpen some things in you. And I'm like, it's going to hurt, isn't it? He's like, yeah. Probably is. All right, just do it. He's used people in my life to sharpen things in me. Mentors in my life. He uses my wife. My closest relationship in life is my marriage. And I am so thankful for a godly wife. The reason is, is because she sharpens me. See, when the Bible talks about being unequally yoked, it's not saying that because it's like, well, you know, it's just like this is, like God, that's because God's saying, listen, you need someone who's going to sharpen you, someone who's going to encourage you, someone who's going to pour into you. You need to not be unequally yoked. You guys need to be in unity together. Now, I know some of you are in here and you're like, man, my spouse is not living for the Lord right now. Pastor Brian, what do I do then? Here's what I want to encourage you. Continue to pray for your spouse and be light to them. Be that city set on a hill that the scriptures talks about. Be that individual who not through, and, and this is where it's really tough, is because you have a relationship where you have to be able to speak into things. There has to be some sharpening in there. But it all comes down to the motive of why the sharpening happens. There's been some times where I've sharpened Kasha and it was not good. I was sharpening her because I was mad at her. Like I knew she had done something wrong, and so I felt justified in it. I don't know why I'm going to this right now, but we're just going to go here for a second. Someone needs to hear this. I felt justified because I knew what she had done was wrong. And I was like, oh, I got her now. 
And the motive behind the sharpening was the problem that God was trying to deal with me with. He's like, you're trying to sharpen her, not because you love her. You're trying to hold something over her. It comes back to the motive of the heart and why we're allowing that to happen. God is asking us to be like iron sharpens iron. What does it look like for the church to sharpen one another? What does it look like for us to be in community? Well, what happens is, is it's God plus me, which equals his unstoppable church. And when that happens, we get to be who God's actually called us to be. Our core values here at Bethany, I was reflecting on this past year, and I was thinking about just all that we've been through. And, you know, there's just, there's been a lot of different things as a church body that we've been through. Our staff has been through. Our leaders have been through. There's just things in our culture that we've all been through. Like, there's just been a lot. And I was reflecting on all of that, and I was reflecting on even times of sharpening in my own life. And as I was reflecting on that, the Lord just brought me back. He said, Brian, what are the values that I placed upon your heart and upon the church's heart? And I was like, well, I mean, like, we take steps together. That's one of them. We love authentically. We live generously. I just started kind of processing through these different core values. And, and I started thinking about what's our mission. Our mission is real simple. We're, we're going to help bring people one step closer. It's all about this progression. And how do we continue to take steps in our walk with Christ? And I started thinking through these core values and started thinking about, well, what, why, why does it sometimes seem hard to actually grab a hold of those core values and kind of like go after them? Why is it hard for us to take steps together? Why is it hard for us to love authentically? Why is it hard for us to live generously? Why is it hard for us to invest in the next? Why is it hard for us sometimes to share our stories, to create unforgettable experiences, to actually be fearless? Why? Comes back to the sharpening. See, when I give of my resources, that's some sharpening. When I give of my time and tell my story, that's some sharpening. When I take steps with others, sometimes it's inconvenient. It's sharpening. What does it look like for us to love authentically? There's some sharpening that has to take place. How do we create unforgettable experiences? Sharpening. Our, our last core value in our leadership is this. It's, it's just that we are fearless, and it stands for fun, execute with excellence, aware, relearn, love, encourage, serve, and spirit-led. It's really what I desire in my life. I, I, I want people, when they see my leadership and see me around, I, I want them to be like, man, Pastor Brian's a really fun guy. I want them to see that I'm executing with excellence in the things that I do, that I put my best foot forward, that I go the extra mile. I want them to see that I'm also, though, aware of what's happening around me. I don't want to be like the emperor with no clothes on and not realize that I'm naked, <laughs> you know, like, so sometimes it means I've got to submit to a process and allow others in my life who are in authority in my life be able to speak into it so that that can make sure that that doesn't happen. I've got to be aware of that. I've got to be willing to relearn. This past year has been a tough year. We've had to relearn a lot of things. But I also have to be someone who encourages others around me. I've got to be someone who's constantly saying, how, how can I encourage people? Not just with words, but also actions. What does it look like to serve one another? And how can we be spirit-led? Through our time of prayer and fasting here just, you know, a few months back, there was just some incredible words of encouragement that were given to our staff, to our board. 
And from that, there's been things that have been birthed out of it. And it's been cool because there's words like fresh and there's words like hope and there's words like love that came out of those times through words that were prophetically given to our staff and to our board. And as I started thinking about that, none of us probably thought of the word sharpen. Why? Because it's hard to be sharpened. It's crazy because I think back to first gathering today and sometimes I deliver a message and I'm like, man, that message was really great and it was all on this. And then I preach the same exact message in second gathering and it feels like it's very different. In first gathering, it was like it had a very different feel than this gathering. I'm sitting here and, and honestly, I'm really out loud processing through this with you because I'm sitting here going, okay, God, where do we need to go with this? And here's what I feel like God's saying. There are things inside of some people right now that need to be sharpened. And God is saying, I want to put you on a fast forward process to the sharpening. First gathering, it was like, man, like community in one, you know, like we're in, in this relationship together. I believe God is like saying right now, I want to fast forward sharpen some things in some people's lives. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just to stand across the room. If you would, just stand to your feet across the room. I want you just to close your eyes for a second. Just wait for just a second. God, I just pray right now in these moments right here you would fast forward sharpen some things. God, it's hard to even know and to describe how that could happen, but here's, here's the beauty of it, God, is I know that we don't have to figure that out. God, I believe that you want to sharpen some things in our lives, and, and God, I think for every person here, it's something different. And yes, God, I believe that you do use the ecclesia, the, the called out ones, the church, many times that we sharpen one another. But God, I also believe that you use your word to sharpen us. And God, I also believe that you use your Holy Spirit to sharpen us. So Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would just begin to move throughout this entire place, move throughout the homes of people watching, God. The Holy Spirit, you would just begin to move right now through the lives and hearts of individuals. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just show the things that need to be sharpened to us right now. Just begin to show those things right now.
This is a somber moment. This is a moment where God is searching your heart and your life right now. We've already asked him to remove obstacles. We've already asked him to open our hearts up to receive. So right now, I want you to just ask him a simple question. What are you sharpening in me? Now, I believe God is moving in this moment. So my question is simply this. What did he say he's sharpening? See, in the sharpening, many times there's a removing. What is it right now that God is saying, I want to remove this from your life right now? Father, you're a good God. And God, (laughs) you're always working in different ways. And in this gathering, God, I believe that you are revealing things in our lives that you want to sharpen. God, I believe you're revealing things that you want removed. And I believe, God, that it's in a moment right now, now of surrender, where we would say, okay, God, I see these things, that we would release them. And we would say, sharpen, remove, do whatever you have to do right now. God wants to fast forward it. The crazy thing I've seen through the years of serving him for a really long time is I've seen moments where he does it instantly and I've seen moments that have been a process. And I really believe that God right now, just in this way, just, it, just, it seems like he's impressing on my heart and I believe in this moment he's saying, I want to fast forward this. Like I, I'm actually looking to actually set some people free today to where you will leave this place completely different. So today, if there's something that God has spoken to your heart, you said, listen, I want to sharpen this. I want to remove that. I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to come up front just to come walk up front up to these altars right along the front of the stage. And I want you just to come and I just want you to put it down right here and then you can go back to your seat. Today you're like, man, God spoke some things to me right now and I need to, I know he's saying I I, I gotta let it be removed, I've gotta let it be sharpened. If that's you, I just want you just seriously just to come up front 
And I know you're like, Pastor Brian, like seriously, it's just about taking a step. But you just come up to this altar and like Jake in first gathering, walked up and he said, I surrender my life to Christ. And then in a moment in an altar, he gave his life and it changed everything. God doesn't want you to carry it anymore. And maybe you'd even come and you'd say, I just want to stay in the altar. Okay, that's fine. But you just say, I just, I'm just going to spend some time with God right now. God, sharpen me. Sharpen my life. Remove it. Would you come? God, we're the called out ones. We're the called out ones, God. You've called us out for such a time as this. You've called us to a place of freedom. You've called us to a place of surrender. Father, I pray that as people will get up out of these altars here in a few moments, that the things that they've been carrying the things that you've been desiring to sharpen, the things that you've been desiring to remove. God, that literally in an act today, right now, of just simply coming to an altar and laying it down at your feet, that literally they would leave and they would not be the same. That, Father, when they would get up, they would literally say, that is no longer who I am. And that they would rise to a sharpened place. They would rise to a place that they would say, you know what, today I was sharpened through the power of the Holy Spirit who fast-forwarded some things in my life. So, Father, for those who maybe it's struggling with an addiction or something, God, I just pray that today would be that day freedom would happen. God, I pray for those who maybe have been carrying an offense that today, in this moment, God, that would be gone. God, the things that have been carried by individuals, God, things that need to be sharpened, that today you would do that. God, I don't even have to 
call out what they are because Holy Spirit, you are working and you are moving in the hearts and lives of your people. So Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. God, thank you that we have freedom today to be different. We're the called out ones. You've called us out. God, we thank you for this local expression of your church body, Bethany Assembly. We're the called out ones. God, put vision in us. Put put passion inside of us for the lost. Help us, God, to understand that we are a city, God, set on a hill. God, that we are light in the midst of the darkness. That we are salt to the world around us. That we are called to influence them, not them influence us. So God, help us. Give us the things that we need to be the called out ones. God, help us even this week, God, with individuals who maybe we know in our lives that you've called us into community with. God, help us to love those people in the midst of the sharpening and help us to be willing to be sharpened ourselves through community with others, God. Help us, God, to be in community, God, to where we would be called out together to be who you've called us to be. God, I thank you. I pray, God, that today as we leave this place, as we'll gather many back here this evening for the partner meeting this week, for the first Wednesday of worship, God, in those moments, I pray, God, that we'll return back different because you've been sharpening. That we'll sharpen one another. We'll be sharpened by your word and will be sharpened by your spirit working inside of us. God, it's, it's you plus us, which equals your unstoppable church. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.